This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Domino Cellini, the fan, 680 and 93.7 FM here on a Thursday afternoon. Bob Knight passing away, the Hall of Famer at the age of 83. His family made the announcement last night. Joining us to talk about that and more from Sports Illustrated and SI.com at ByPat40 is where you can follow him on social media. Pat40 joining us on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. Pat, appreciate the time this afternoon. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right, guys. How about you? Uh, doing good. Love the article that you wrote. And like you said, um, I think you hit the nail right on the head. The Hall of Fame coach could be both brilliant and boorish. And you saw both sides of that over the years, did you not? I sure did, yeah. I covered him a fair amount um, when he was in his latter half of his tenure at uh, at Indiana. And uh, uh, there was really nothing else like it uh, from just a force of personality standpoint, for good and for bad. Um, you know, he could be incredibly interesting, captivating, intelligent, but he also had a, a temper that was largely uncontrollable, and he leveraged that to to bully a lot of people and to to get his way on literally everything, um, you know. And it just it makes his legacy a little more complex. A little, you know, you, when you're writing a uh, a remembrance of somebody who's passed away, most of us you know, probably just kind of lean towards all the positives. But with night, you just can't ignore everything. You know, there's just such a large body of uh, work, good and bad, that uh, you roll it all together. And, and the way that he was thought of within his profession and really even transcending basketball, there's just a lot there. Pat, I was speaking to one of the younger guys who works at the station. He's an on-hero host, but he hadn't really heard a lot of the cuts and the stuff that's making arounds today, the stuff that, you know, makes Bobby Knight Bobby Knight to a lot of people, uh, some of the, the loud stuff. And I, and I wanted to use the word complicated, but I'm going to ask you, I don't think he was complicated. Like, I don't think it would take much of a study to figure out what it, like, complicated seems like not the right word because I thought he was so surface with everything about himself. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think complicated is kind of the easy word that people use when there are more than one side to a story. <laughs> Uh, frankly. And yeah, with him, he was not, I, I think he was very human and he had sides of himself or parts of his personality that uh, were very admirable. And then parts that, that were not as most of us do almost all of us. And his just seemed to be uh, more prominent, more forceful on both sides. And so, you know, what you got, you certainly, you got him, unvarnished unapologetic and uh you know there were various parts of of who he is as there are for most of us so at the, at the yeah, height I, of, I, I would say he's not complicated right at the height of his power how powerful was he you know incredibly powerful i mean he was certainly the preeminent coach in college basketball from the mid 70s through the started in the late 80s um and uh people played the way he played and some of coaches, I mean, I covered high school sports in Indiana. The coaches acted the way he acted. They ran motion offense. They ran man to man defense and they screamed at everyone all the time. 
and you know that he was just so impactful to all those people, to the players he recruited. They idolized him. Not all of them. A lot of them left because they didn't like the way he treated people. Um, but he was a lightning rod who really he defined an era. And when the era started to change and time started to change, that's when he, I think, really started to struggle, certainly in recruiting and otherwise. I just don't think that he could relate to a lot of people. Uh, Conversely, that made a lot of other people relate to him who felt like he was almost this way of life that was slipping away, for better or for worse. There was a lot of people that thought that. And uh, being an uncompromising, I guess, fixture of those times, uh, he engendered strong feelings. Pat Forty with us from SI and SI.com by Pat Forty at by Pat Forty to be specific is where you can follow him on social media. And we talked about it when he is 79. You wrote about it in your article. He goes back to Assembly Hall there in Bloomington. He moves to Bloomington, moves back home, so to speak. But even then, there was a rough edge. You talk about the experience you had with him at the end of that game. Yes, in 2000, um, when they played Iowa and Steve Alford was the coach, former Hoosier great under night, and there was a rift between them, and that became the storyline going into that game. And you know, there was a lot of media there to cover it for that reason. Um, Indiana won in a great game, and Knight uh, was very uh, – I'm sorry, Alford was very gracious afterwards in talking about it, said, you know, whatever's gone on between us, we'll work through it. I have too much respect for him, no problem, blah, 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 blah. And Knight comes in and pretty much goes the opposite way and starts ripping the media and just gets madder and madder as the press conference went along. And then he stormed out of the room and stormed back in and screamed something. And I responded to him uh, kind of reflexively. And he started to come after me physically uh, while yelling at me. And I wasn't sure literally whether to drop my notepad and put up my fists or what. But uh, that was actually, I ended up working at ESPN later, but that was my first time on SportsCenter. It was the clip from that of Knight coming after me and his son Pat grabbing him and getting out of him out of the room before we had a throwdown. What should his victory lap have been? Uh, it should have been, you know, one of the Mount Rushmore coaches in college basketball history uh, with unanimous adulation from... Uh, all corners, uh, Olympic gold medalist, three national titles, could have been five without injuries, um, you know, a, a true, like, signature strategist. Uh, but, but it was way more complicated than that, and that's, that's basically the way he chose for it to be. Do you, we talk about at the end when you get reflective. I don't know who might have been around. I hope everything with his family at least was what you hope it is at that point. Is there any indication – any indication that he missed out or believes he missed out on what could have been his, or is just you don't think that's part of the DNA? Um, it may be internally part of his DNA, but I, it certainly wasn't externally. I don't think he was going to sit there and admit and say, you know what, I wish I had treated people a little better. I, I, he was not wired that way. He may have internally, certainly. I mean, he wasn't. A, he was a very smart man. I'm sure he understood some of the self-inflicted wounds that, that he uh, produced, you know. But I don't think he would publicly sit there and want to say, you know what, I'm sorry to a lot of people. That just wasn't how he was wired. Pat Forty with us on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. A lot to discuss when it comes to college football as well. Do you think Michigan will be punished this year if by no one else the Big Ten when all is said and done? 
No, I don't. Um, I think they perhaps should be, but I don't expect it to happen. Um, I think, you know, the Big Ten is kind of in a difficult spot, but, you know, these difficult spots are what you get paid to handle if you're in leadership positions, and they don't seem willing to step up and handle this in much of any way. Um, Is is there anybody with enough power to tell Tony Petiti? I'm sure there are bylaws and rules, and he probably just can't wild, wild west some sort of punishment. But is there anybody powerful enough or a group of people powerful enough to get Petiti to do something? I don't think so. I don't see that happening. Um, You know, I think that, uh, first of all, Petiti's been on the job for six months. And while, you know, you could say Ohio State institutionally may have the juice to try to force something, especially with 12 other schools at their back, uh, I also think that Tony Petiti came to that job from a CBS network executive position where all decisions were made via TV. Uh, Fox has become the most important entity in the Big Ten. Do you think either a network exec, a veteran network exec, or a controlling network want to see the cash cow that is Michigan suddenly taken out of playoff consideration. Yeah, that's what we and said. Out of, you don't cut. You, no way. You don't cut the no knees way. out of the one who's follow the dollars. Who's bearing the most fruit at this point? <laughs> do you think? Do you agree with Boo Corrigan the other day, who said this is not a college football playoff thing? Um, I figured that would be the easy answer for them too. The you know the dodge there. Um, I don't really because I mean to me this this is a. a, a team that actively sought a competitive advantage on the field. So to me, it is a football issue. Um, I could, but I, I'm not surprised at all to see the committee go ahead and, and basically take that out when, when it was there for them. I don't know what you think or care about necessarily the playoffs. It's good for articles. There's conversation, who's screwed, whatever. But I don't know if you noticed the university of Georgia the other day, their official accounts, they made no acknowledgement of anything, which is so to me what it was. It was a business day on Tuesday. They talked about having padded practices on Tuesday and Wednesday. Not any acknowledgement at all of the college football playoff. Surprising to you, or you believe that's the mindset and that's how you are where you are if you're Georgia? Sure. No, that that is Georgia. Um, first of all, you know, <laughs> being ranked number two is just another week in the last few years for them. Secondly, that's Kirby Smart's way is like, you know, we'll worry about, about it when we need to worry about it. And, yes, it was Tuesday, and Tuesday's a big practice day at Georgia. They go after each other then, and I guarantee that was the focus of everything. I, I, I would imagine they never even brought it up internally, what the rankings were. Probably haven't brought it up since then. So, you know, they, they – especially watching this team, guys, they look to me like we know what's important and we'll get around to acting like what it's important when, when it is. You know, when we play a ranked team, guess what? We're going to show up. When we – when we're playing a rival and people are saying we're going to be in trouble without Brock Bowers, we'll show up. And so I expect them actually with Missouri coming in, ranked team, got a number next to their name, they're going to show up. I expect to see a highly motivated, focused, locked-in Georgia team the next three weeks. Is the writing on the wall for Dabble to possibly leave Clemson in the not-too-distant future? Mm, I don't know. You know, I mean, I don't think Clemson's sitting there saying, Dabo, we'd like you to leave. You know, if he wants to of his own accord, he certainly could. It doesn't strike me as his kind of response, though. You know, I think he's a, I'm going to prove everybody. I still got it, and I'm going to prove it here. And I'm going to make all you people that have been criticizing me turn around and love me again. 
Um, that's kind of my read of him. I could be wrong. He could be saying, you know what, I'm in my 50s. I'm still young enough. I can go anywhere and do anything. Uh, but I, I would expect to see him stay at Clemson. We sit in the middle of it. But I was on with guys in Missouri today asking, is there any talk anyplace else about what Georgia has done? Winning back-to-back national titles in the world where COVID, NIL, transfer portal, the game is completely different. I almost don't believe that what they've done is being feeded enough. Now, I know time has to be part of the picture of what we want to do and determine how great something might be or how terrible something was. Maybe we're just in the middle of it so it can't work. But do you get a sense nationally that this is not really getting the run with a chance for a third on top of that the way it should? Well, it's interesting. Um, You know, I'm not an expert on many things, but news cycles, I would say I have pretty good insight. And that was the big story coming into the season, right? Georgia going for the three feet. There was a lot of talk about it then. Season starts, Deion Sanders takes over everything, right? That's all of a sudden, that is the news. After that, Georgia still hadn't played anybody. And so you go through September is the month of Dion. October, we've got Red River and we've got some other big games, Pac-12 big games. Georgia hadn't played anybody yet. I think Georgia's return to the news cycle is coming. You know, I think that then we're going to take a fresh look and fresh examination and a fresh appreciation of this unbelievable run. You know, I saw the stat the other day that since some point in November 2020, Kirby's 41-1. and I mean, it's ridiculous. It's unbelievable. And the one loss was to Bryce Young and Alabama. Um, And then they avenged that loss. So it is one of the great runs in college football history. With different rules. When you're in the middle of it, yeah. With different different rules. rules. Yeah. No, I know. I know. Um, You know, it's phenomenal. But I think think the cycle of appreciation is coming back. All right. A couple of coach things. Dan Lanning, usually you have to wait. You know, you go to this job and then you get that job. Is Dan Lanning at Oregon as good a place as you can be for a guy getting his feet under him as a head coach and now being able to probably build, even though they're number six in the country already? Yeah, it's awfully good. I mean, it was a great, you know, I I think it was a bit eye-opening for them to hire somebody that young who had not been a head coach, but he's proven worthy. Um, You know, he's done phenomenal work. And, you know, that was the word on him at Georgia was that he was the whole package. He was an unbelievable recruiter, an unbelievable motivator, an unbelievable tactician. So you take those skills and then you prove you can handle the big coaching job, you know, the, the, the top seat, and all of a sudden the sky's the limit. And, yeah, Oregon's got a lot to help him, a lot to offer. And the only thing is now you're going into the Big Ten, and I still think that's going to be a really difficult thing just from a week-in, week-out grind uh, standpoint and probably increased competition as well. So, you know, he's in a good spot. Doesn't mean he has to stay there forever. Uh, who's the Michigan head coach next year, opening day? I'm going to say not Jim Harbaugh. Now, who it is, <laughs> who knows? I, I don't know. Like, if I were Michigan, I might go try to get Dan Lanning, so to speak. What about Jimbo Fisher's future at Texas A&M? Does it last beyond this year? I think that's going to be decided in the next couple of weeks. I think, I think like, Mississippi game is very big. Uh, lose that, I think the odds are against him. Win that, and at least we have the same discussion again the week after. How is it possible that these guys who work their way up to these jobs, and I'm going to take the millions of dollars out, why is it week in and week out I am flabbergasted? I'm, I'm going to use a word. It's, it's a word you tell your kids with the stupidity that I see coming out of headsets and sidelines every Well, Dan week Lanning did football. it against Washington a few every weeks week. ago. Oregon State passes on a Billy field goal. Napier. They run the fake field goal. Billy Napier's fourth and one. It, it is amazing that week in, week out. It's great for us, but it's amazing to see. 
It is. I mean, it's mind-boggling. I mean, these guys get paid a lot to have these huge staffs to help them with these decisions, and then they still can't make the right one. And it seems like pretty obvious decisions most of the time, and they still find a way to outsmart themselves. And, you know, I, I don't know why, but it just does kind of make a charade of the fact, well, yeah, you know, this guy does need $10 million. Well, does he? If, he, if you're going to pay him $10 million, can, can he at least be intelligent? Thank you. I mean, Thank you. Yeah. I don't want to make it about the money, but sometimes it is kind of about the money. Last one. How much are you looking forward to 12 teams? Or not? Oh, it's going to be great. I think it's going to be awesome. I, you know, I, I think it will be rocket fuel for the sport in terms of interest throughout the season. More teams involved. You know, 20 to 25 teams right now would still be in the playoff hunt. Uh, you'd be, you'd have on-campus playoff games. Uh, it's just going to be fantastic. I think it, it's going to be a great change. I think in terms of just overall fan interest and excitement. Hey, last thing, you didn't know if you were going to put up your fist when Bob Knight came at you. Have you written columns? Have you had other confrontations? Has anything happened where somebody decided, hey, I, I, not only did I not like it, but we're going to have to we're going to have to have a discussion about this. Uh, I was invited to fight in the parking lot of Churchill Downs with Dwayne Lucas, the horse trainer, one time. I, I declined the invitation. Um, I've had other people get in my face. I've never really felt like it was going to be a fight. I've had some fans that I felt like it was going to be a fight. Yeah, that doesn't but in terms of a coach, yeah. Why, why'd no, you turn uh, down? Why, thing, why'd you turn down? I think Dwayne, Dwayne Lucas, Lucas would have fought dirty. Yeah, why'd you turn it down? Well, he was like sixty-five or something then, and I was like thirty-five. Wow. I, so. If I beat him up, who cares? If he beats right. me up, it looks really bad for me. That's a no-win right? situation. Yeah, Absolutely. that's smart. You're a very that's... intelligent man. Did he have a son, perhaps, you could have fought as a stand-in? Was there, <laughs> was there any talk about that? <laughs> should have, I should have asked. We yeah. should have arranged that. Pat Forty, as always, we appreciate the time and the insight. Hopefully, we can talk again real soon. All right. My pleasure, guys. Thanks, Thank Pat. You. Pat Forty from SI.com. At by Pat Forty is where you can follow him on social media. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash john. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction, inferior site preparation, or weather. Drought causes cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at atlantaramjack.com. 